Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. That was said by the Lord Jesus Christ in John 7, verse 24. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And my name is Frank Abel. I want to welcome you back here again, Frank. Last time we talked together, we were talking about eternal judgment, or the judgment seat of Christ, the the judgment that is to come, that we're all going to have to be accountable to, who know the truth, who recognize the, the gospel. And when we were doing that study, I said, man, I really want to have you back here because amongst all of that, there was this idea that, especially Paul was saying, why are you judging your brother? So when our key verse was from Romans 14 and verse 10, for instance, it says, why do you pass judgment on your brother or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so I was really thinking how practical this is about having this understanding about the future judgment seat of Christ, always in front of our minds, and how that affects how we judge in our lives. And by judge, I mean like the things that we we decide upon, the things that we discern, the things that we judge, and the decisions that we make in terms of even condemnation, because that, that word judge is a very broad word, and it's it's used in a lot of different senses in Scripture. But what we really want to do here today is to talk about judgment in this life and how we are to judge, how we're to judge and how we're not to judge. And this has very practical implications for us, right, Frank? Sure does. Uh, every day, especially when we say our prayers before our God, mm. and we have to think about what we've done during the day and what we're asking our God to do for us. Yeah. yeah. It really goes back to one of the first podcasts we did, Defining Essential Bible Studies. We looked at a passage in Hebrews chapter 5 and, and verse 14 when we we're looking at this idea of first principles and how the reason that we study the Bible, it says there in that we might be able to discern between good and evil. In fact, it says that our powers of discernment might be trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. So why are we studying these essential Bible studies? Is so that we might have discernment or judgment is the idea behind it, to discern between good and evil. But this is a very important topic because I think a lot of people just say, well, we're not supposed to judge. We're only here to help. We're only here to love. We're going to find that in terms of Scripture, there's this real balance that we have to have about judgment and that we are to judge, but we're to judge in love. They're not mutually exclusive terms. And so we're going to first talk about how not to judge, but then we're going to turn around the last part of the podcast and see how we are to judge. And I think this will be very helpful. So we'll have a summary at the end. Yeah, I think it would be too. Uh the illustration that you mentioned there of of uh, you know leaving one part of it out is where I think it's quite easy to do. It's a, it's the easy way is just to think that we we never have to judge. Right. But in order to help people, sometimes we need to 
help them in that very sense where they're having trouble themselves seeing the difference between good and evil. Yes. So a good friend, yeah, it help them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's uh, start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we did mention this in the last podcast, but I think this is a great place to kind of start because there is this sort of juxtaposition between not judging and judging that's really just in a short span of two chapters. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, in verses uh, 3 through 5, he says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So there again, we we use this passage in the last podcast because it mentions we're all going to have to come before the Lord Jesus Christ and he's going to reveal the motives and intents. But Paul says there, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Now, we can just take that verse and think, oh, I'm not supposed to pronounce any sort of judgment before the time. But in just the short span, like I was saying, when you come to chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul starts berating them because they're not judging. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. So there he is, like I said, he's taking them to task for not judging this person who was living a sexually immoral life. And even into chapter 6, he is saying, he's questioning them, saying, is there not anyone among you who can judge between brothers? In these two chapters, we have both Paul saying, don't judge, and saying, why aren't you judging? So it really shows us that when we talk about judging, we have to say, well, what kind of judgment are we talking about? And I think if we go back to chapter 4 and verses uh, 3 through 5, verse 5, I think Paul explains it. He, he says, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. There is what we can't judge. We cannot judge the intents or the motives of somebody's heart. The only thing that we can judge are either words, what the person is saying, or the deeds of a person. So we even see Paul here, he says, I I don't even judge myself. It is the Lord who judges me. And we kind of look at that and say, well, what is he talking about there, right? Because did Paul ever judge himself? I think what he's saying there is he says, I don't condemn myself. I'm not the final judge of of who I am. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think what you read there in the ESV, I believe, Yeah, a little different than in the King James, but probably better in the ESV, because in the King James it says, I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. And I think you said... I, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. Yeah, that, it is the Lord who judges me. Yeah, that's, that's a good point to be made. 
that even if you can't remember anything that you've done, the motives in that for which you may not be judging yourself, the Lord is looking at. Right, yeah. right. But we have to examine ourselves. Yes. In real sense, like later on, doesn't he say we have to examine ourselves? Yes. We have to judge ourselves. Yeah. Like when we come to before the memorials and we take part of the bread and wine, remember yeah. the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, you have to examine yourself and judge yourself yeah. so that we might not be judged with the world. Yeah. This aspect of judgment is really one that you have to take the whole counsel of Scripture and see what it says uh, about itself. So there's times when to judge and times when not to judge or, or how to judge. Uh, the second point here I want to bring out, which I think is important, it follows in the next verse in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. It says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. It's kind of important to like look at why is Paul talking about judgment at this point? Because the Corinthians were judging him. And he's saying, listen, I don't even judge myself. We shouldn't judge anything. They were judging his motives. And it all comes in the background of Paul and Apollos. Apollos was another very big personality, an excellent preacher. Mm -hmm. And they sometimes sparked and there was like iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. And Paul and Apollos really worked it out as he says here. And he says, we're, we're examples to you not to go beyond what is written. Oh, you think about that. What does that mean? Not to go beyond what is written. The written is the scriptures. Yeah. So you can't go beyond what is actually written in the Bible when you judge. And I think the Corinthians were going beyond that. They were trying to judge the motives of Paul or, why, or, or Apollos. They were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. And the reason they were doing that is they were judging based upon what they thought their motives were. And Paul's really having to set them straight. He says, don't go beyond what's written in Scripture. Yeah, yeah. It really says that whatever we judge with, we really have to go and say, well, this is why I'm judging this way. It's from the Bible. Look at the way Paul's doing it or what Jesus is saying here. And this is why we are making this decision. Well, one of the very valuable passages, yet probably quite controversial on this subject, is Matthew 7 verses, uh, well, let's just say 1 to 3. Right. Where he says, judge not that you be not judged. Yeah, this is the most popular one, right? Because that's yes. kind of most, it's like a yes. soundbite, judge not lest you be judged. Yeah. Well, but it doesn't end there. That's the problem. You see, if, if people uh, see that that is the end, then I guess you just close the chapter on judging, period. Right. <laughs> and yet you could have done maybe a lot better for yourself and others if you just read on. For he says, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? So, Jesus, with these latter words, really helps us understand, judge not that you be not judged, because if we don't note that we are more likely to judge somebody more severely than we do ourselves, we really are setting ourselves up based mm. on what Jesus says here, judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. It's like people who ask God regularly for forgiveness, but don't realize that forgiveness is based on how we forgive others. It's, a, right. it's the same kind of meter stick that God's using. And because God 
deals with us that way, we would be very wise to take all of it into consideration. But one of the ones that I really like is found in uh, in James 3 on this because, it, again, it, it's using the same sort of figure of speech where he says, My brethren, that's James 3 verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, masters is, in, I think, in this sense, a teacher. Yeah. Be not many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, that's fair. Like if you're teaching people things that are wrong, and hence you have poisoned the mind of many, many people just because of what you said, it would be right that you be judged with greater judgment. So we have to be careful. It's not that we don't teach anybody. It's how we right. teach. <laughs> yeah. It's not that we don't judge anybody. It's how we judge. Right. That's that's the sense of this, and if we miss that sense, we can uh, really be put off. I think, and in, in terms of of one of the things that we hopefully will bring out and learn through this, and yeah. that is that, that Jesus Himself judged people, yes. and uh, He said He did it out of love, yeah, and that's uh, the way He He dealt with the Ecclesias in uh, in the Book of Revelation. Yeah, I think if you take that verse, verse 2, for with what judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. He's really saying that, yeah, he's expecting judgment. He said, judge not that you be not judged. But is that really saying if you don't judge anybody, you won't have to face the judgment seat of Christ? We all we saw from the last podcast, we're all going to face the judgment seat of Christ. So if you work backwards through that, you you realize what he's really saying here is it's it's judge not as a hypocrite. Because when he goes on to talk about how do you see that speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log or the moat that is in your own eye, he has this kind of just really kind of crazy and funny idea that there's this person with this two by four in their eye, and they're they're trying to take out a splinter out of somebody else's eye. Mm-hmm. It's it's we can't judge as a as a hypocrite. Yeah, we really have to live the life accordingly and and live by be that example to others. And then we can somewhat, as you say, humbly and with love practice this judgment. That's, it would be that's great, good. Tim, if we could learn that as early as possible in life. You do occasionally see people converting in middle age where they've learned all kinds of bad things that they want to reverse. But if we can teach children on this matter of judgment early in life, that you got to be careful. You know, you're saying this about your sister. You're saying this about your brother. Yeah. And do you realize yeah. that you have failed in the same thing, or that you're yeah. failing in other areas? Like, it it really is something that we would hope to have taught our children by the time they get to adulthood. Yeah. Would really help them spiritually. Yeah. One of the other passages which is uh, very good on this is in John chapter seven. Mm. And uh, the verses that we need to consider are verses 23 and 24. Well, probably we need to consider more of them, but that's really where our time constraints lead us. Jesus said, If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, I think what that's worth, the initial taking, is that if you're not going to judge according to appearance, but you're going to judge something deeper than appearance, you got to do some work. Yeah. And that's 
historically true from the very beginning in the Bible when God teaches us about a judgment is that we got to do an investigation. We got to got to think more. We should probably not just react. That's one of the troubles with this world. Like we have email. You can respond right away. You can, <laughs> you can, you yeah. can judge when your, your feelings are running high, but your mind is not engaged. Mm, yeah. And it gets us into a lot of difficulty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the context here, it's interesting. Do not judge by appearances. That really comes from earlier in verse 15, because they said, the Jews therefore marveled saying, how is it that this man, Jesus, has learning when he has never studied? So they were looking at his pedigree, they were looking at his university degree, which he had none, and they were judging him based upon those things. They weren't really just taking him at his word and, and understanding those things or at his works. Uh, so that's judging according to the appearance. That's where we really go off because we judge according to the flesh. We look on the outward appearance yeah. of somebody, which is really the problem. Oh, that's so true in today's world. It reminds me of a passage in James chapter 2 because they were showing partiality to people who are rich. He says, you become judges with evil thoughts when you do that. That was a wrong way to judge according to appearances, whether yeah. somebody was driving a Mercedes versus, I don't know, what yeah. else? <laughs> a Yaris, as you judge, Frank? <laughs> yes. Well, the, the interesting thing about the appearances, if you take it from the other point of view, you go back to Isaiah chapter 53, ah, yeah. it, it, one way it, people are looking at it and saying, well, you don't have the proper learning to be able to speak like a rabbi, so why are you really saying all these things? But when they looked at him, it says, Isaiah 53 verse 2, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And on and on it goes. Mm. To when yeah. people looked at Jesus, they, they didn't see Saul, the man with head and shoulders above everybody else, right. the one who would lead handsome. the nation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was nothing physically there that would attract us to Jesus. But people who listened to him oh. heard something very, very different yeah. and uh, became followers of him. Right. And that's what we really have to do ourselves. Our natural inclination is not to judge correctly. We have to think about what looking deeper than the appearance really means. And that's really an ingredient that we must have for salvation. If Jesus was to say in John 17, for instance, that to know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent is eternal life, then yes, we, we've got to look beyond. Like we can't see God. We, we can't go and say, well, there he is. This is how we describe him. We can only find him in his word. And many of us, having studied the Bible, find that there is, there's no depth to that. Mm -hmm. we, we're finding new things about God every time we pick up his word and read it. Yep. Yeah. Here's another area, I think, in which we judge wrongly, is that when we only hear one side of the matter and we don't do our due diligence, I think you were talking about that, that earlier. But one of my favorite Proverbs, I think, is Proverbs 18, verse 17. And that one says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. 
I think how many times has that happened in my life where uh, somebody's come to me with a problem they're having with somebody else and they tell me their side of the story and I says, oh, wow, that's terrible. I, I feel for you, you know, everything that you're going through. And then you come to talk to the other person and they give you their side of the story and all of a sudden you're going, oh, wait a minute, it's not that easy. <laughs> I I can see your point. I can see their point. I can see where the problems are and you really have to balance your your judgments. But a lot of times we only hear one side of the story and we're very quick to make a, a judgment. Whereas the scripture is saying, let's be diligent. Let's be slow in this. And it, it really comes out in the history of Israel, especially in the law of Moses and in Deuteronomy 19 and verse 18, it tells how the judges of Israel were supposed to act. And they, it says, you're supposed to take two or three witnesses. So you had to have this very background to the problem. And then it says to the judges, you are to make diligent inquisition into the matter. So don't be fast at this. Diligent inquisition means taking your time and getting both sides of the story, or else you're not going to be able to judge correctly. Yes. I think there's a proverb that also looks at it from the point of view of who's examining it when it says in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. So that if you're, if you're doing the judging yourself, even though you hear a couple of witnesses, it, it might be worthwhile to have other people involved. Like in Matthew 18, where you, you have another person with you to listen to the testimony. And then even the whole ecclesia then at the, at the another level of investigation. Yeah, Matthew 18 is a really good chapter. We're not going to go into it, but yeah, I would be one to read <laughs> in these matters. Well, right? That's the, the way it is, isn't it? The more you look into this, the more you can remember that uh, other verses you know, apply. And it's, uh, it, look, the Word of God is wonderful. There is right. nothing quite like it. I think we're going to switch gears here, right, Frank? Because we talk about how not to judge yes. in the last part. Yeah. But we also see that we are to judge. So if we are to judge, let's... Let's switch gears here and just see how the Lord really delights in in true judgments and that we are how we are to judge, right? The substance of Proverbs 21 and really quite a few other verses in the Bible. For instance, in verse 3 of Proverbs 21, it says, To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. That's a good one. Now, the, the aspect of that would be really hard for people to understand. God's told them, if you do this, you bring this sacrifice. If you do that, you bring this other sacrifice. Even ignorance. When you discovered that you've sinned in ignorance, you had to bring a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And people could get locked into that. Like, this is, uh, this is what That's we do. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Just we better have sacrifice. a certain amount of the flock set apart every year yeah. just for sacrifice. But then when you come a passage like this, that to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice, that's another level. And uh, that's where I think we really have to spend a little time as well. Because, uh, for instance, in Psalms 51, where David found out that there wasn't any sacrifice he could offer, it may not be quite that simple. I'm not too sure that David would have connected it quite like that to say, well, I can't think of an, uh, an offering I could make because the law doesn't provide one for my sin. But nevertheless, he, he did reason on what God had provided for him. And in verses 16 and 17, he said of God, he says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, that took a, a man of discernment. Now, we might say, well, 
you know, David had the Spirit of God. And if that is the case, then it may have been needed in order to come to this understanding that what God really wanted in this was he wanted a humble man, a man who was contrite, a man who had recognized his sin and had yeah. repented of it. And he was trying to think of a way to get back in God's favor. And that's where the mercy of God and, and the love of God is, is brought out, associated with the whole matter and area of judgment. What do I do now that I have blown it? Mm -hmm. That's essentially what we have to all ask ourselves. And apart from God's mercy and God's love, which fit into this case, we really wouldn't have anywhere to turn. We'd have to go with guilt to the day of our death, mm -hmm. not being able to remove it. Right. So, yeah, it's important part about it, this this humility that we come with judgment, realizing that we have our own sins, but we, it still doesn't negate we have to judge. It kind of goes back to not being a hypocrite and those kind of things. Now, we, we were talking about this earlier, Tim, and I think it's a, a very helpful verse to, to go to. In Jeremiah chapter 9, It uh, in verses 23, it says, Thus saith Yahweh, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am Yahweh, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith Yahweh. Mm. Now you can see that that's man. What does he delight in? But in man's wisdom, in man's strength, or in man's riches. Those are the things of the appearance. That's yeah. all appearance. That's right. And God's looking much closer than that. Like, what are you really doing that's like me in character? Like... You can see that, especially if you if you desire to be in God's kingdom, because we know that in God's kingdom will require God's qualities to live in that kingdom and to and to rule with Christ, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. Isn't it interesting that he links those three words, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness? That's what God delights in. That's what we want to delight in ourselves. It's interesting. I was looking at the net translation of the last part there where it says, for in these things I delight. It actually translates it, and that I desire people to do these things. It's a little bit of a prayer phrase, yeah. but I think they're trying to get yeah. the sense here that God delights in these things, and he delights in people who do these things as well. Yeah. So it's it's a balance here of both love and judgment that he's looking for. Yeah. There's so many passages like that, like you know, like Micah 6 verse 8, which is such a lovely one. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? That really has all those elements that you were talking about. To do justice is to do judgment, right? To love kindness. So our judgment has to be mixed with kindness or love. And to walk humbly with your God. It's the the aspect of really realizing where we stand, not to be hypocrites, but like like David to realize a broken and contrite heart is what God requires from us. Well, just another uh, passage on this from the New Testament, which uh, is is helpful, is to go to Luke chapter 11, when he talks about the Pharisees. Now, God probably tried very hard to get these people to see these things. And in the words of his son, he speaks pretty strongly. In verse 42 of Luke 11, Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God 
these ought you to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Now, I find that really quite satisfying, and is that you see the focus is on judgment and love together. Yeah. They've, they've got to be together, and that's a, that's a hard match because we tend to either be maybe too loving or too judgmental. Right. To be, yeah. to have the blend of that is really the call of the faith. Yeah. And I like how you say blend. It's a balance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah, you have a, bl- yeah. you can have a blend, but not necessarily a balance. <laughs> 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 you know, so many times people are, there's not much of the other ingredient. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a balance. It's hard. It is hard. And uh, yet through experience and sometimes uh, experience that we would rather forget, we, we have learned that, yeah. that yeah, you've got to be a little more loving in your judgments. Yeah. And if you leave judgment out and you're all loving, you're not really helping the person. I think it's interesting in some of these passages like Jeremiah and Hebrews that we've talked about, it's practice. And practice makes perfect. Yes. <laughs> so if we leave it off, we're not really practicing it. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's interesting. I guess uh, a person who's, who newly comes to the faith doesn't have much experience to work on yeah. there, but... If you look back over the years of people who are older, yeah, there should be. There yeah. should be many cases where you can see that God's word is true in actual life. Yeah. You know, I see sometimes on social media, there's posts that somebody might post something that says, we're here to help, not to judge. And I look at that and go, well, you know, that, that needs a little bit more explanation. It needs like uh, the whole scripture because really to, to so- help somebody, you do have to judge. Sometimes you do have to discern between good and evil to help people. And I, I bring up another proverb because really love, if we're going to love and truly love, we, we have to have an element of judgment in our love. And I think that's what you've been bringing out. What The things that God delights in are both this balance of, of love and judgment together. So it comes from Proverbs chapter 27. In verses 5 and 6, it's really to ponder these words here. It says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You talk about hurting somebody. Is that when we think about being a friend, we think, oh, I'm not going to hurt that person. But if there's something that somebody's doing in their life where they're sinning, they're going to be judged at the judgment seat for that. You know that, of course, uh, based on Scripture. Is it really loving to pass over that and not mention it? It's not. Even though it's going to wound your friend, it's going to save them in the end. It's going to be healing in the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the hard thing where we, we try not to let our biases come into that. But Well, there's a real necessity, isn't it, to be sharp on both the receiving and the giving end of that point that when people do rebuke us mm, yeah. don't forget it could be in love right and when we give rebuke don't forget the love you know <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah both ways it's really trying to yeah sense the motivation like so many people get their backs up and who are you to judge me yeah. but if we can really see that we're supposed to be helping one another in these yeah. judgments and these decisions, it, it, hopefully we can accept those things humbly and, and hear those things and not get mad or, or yeah. you know, get angry yeah. at somebody. Because really, 
when you go to the greatest commandment of all is to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart. But Jesus says there's a second that's like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's interesting to go back to the context. In, and that's taken from Leviticus. It's back in the Law of Moses. Leviticus uh, chapter 19 and verses uh, 17 and 18. This is all about how you're to love your neighbor as yourself. There's a whole context here. And just to pick it up from verse 17. Actually, I'm going to read this from the, the King James Version. I think I, I like this one a little bit better. It says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So there's that rebuke. And the rebuke of thy neighbor is so that you might not suffer sin upon him. If your neighbor is sinning, you're concerned about it. And that's what true love is about. It's about being a friend or a neighbor. And that's why it goes on in Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh. That's so critical about what love truly is, is about not suffering sin upon your neighbor, but that involves rebuke, it says here, which is not not easy. None of us like confrontation. Well, Jesus in uh, the book of Revelation gave us a good example of this. I I think it's one of the best ones. At least in terms of my memory and the way it, it influences my thought. Because this is at the last Ecclesia, the Laodicean Ecclesia. And he says in chapter 3, verse 19, As many as I love, I Mm. rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. You couldn't really think of any other way, and Jesus is doing this. He's saying these things for the sake of love, to try to get us into the kingdom and to be part of that great company that will help him rule. Yeah. Yeah, so it involves rebuke, and if we're going to be like Jesus, uh, we might have to do the same thing. I think we will have to do yeah. the same thing in our in our lives, right? Well, it requires a response, doesn't it? Like uh, he's doing it in love. What's he require? Well, he requires us to be chastened by it, to be zealous therefore, to repent and repent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that giving and taking is is like the judgment and the mercy put together for the proper way of. It's a medicine for what's needed. All right. So we've seen a lot here, Frank, through some of these these verses, but we've seen that there really needs to be a balance. Maybe we can just summarize up here just to say what how we're not to judge. So we're definitely instructed not to judge certain ways, but we are instructed to judge in other ways. So we've seen that we can't judge the motivations or the intents of the heart. Uh, we have to put that off till the, the last days when Jesus Christ, that's his prerogative, will we'll show what those intents and motivations were. We can't go that. We can only judge a person's words and their deeds, what they do. We can't judge somebody beyond Scripture or what is written, as Paul says. We have to be very clear that we're taking this from the Bible and often what Paul says we can't judge or like what we're eating or, you know, what sort of days we're observing, those kind of things were not according to Scripture. But he did judge people according to how they were living. So he's saying you have to judge the example given in 1 Corinthians 5 was somebody who was sexually immoral. 
we can't judge people being a hypocrite. So we have to lead a life by example and be trying to do what we're saying we're doing. Uh, we can't judge by outward appearances. That's a big one. We often judge according to the flesh, whether a person is rich or how they look or their degree or how smart they are. Uh, we have to be impartial. We can't judge with a bias. And that's probably our biggest one, isn't it? Yeah. And then we can't judge one side of the story. We have to be diligent and inquire and be patient before we make a final decision in these matters. Uh, we often are very quick in these matters, as we were talking about. And finally, the big one is we can't judge in hate. We have to judge in love. And we have to judge in mercy. And we have to judge with empathy. So there you go. That's my summary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That takes us to the you know a level of uh, beginning to understand it. But yeah. you know, going back over those verses and meditating on them uh, and seeing how they fit in our life is uh, is the next step. Everybody's got to do that. You, you see what the word says. Now, how does it apply? Yeah. yeah. I think both you and I were talking about how deep the subject is because as we started to study it, there is a lot of different avenues that we, we have to go down to really think about this because it is such an important topic for us in our practical life day to day and also in the last day when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Tim. The Essential Bible Studies podcast is recorded in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada, and is sponsored by the Book Road Christadelphian Ecclesia. If you're ever in the neighborhood, you must drop by for a visit. More info on our location, times, and webcast are at bookroadchristadelphians.ca. That's www.bookroadchristadelphians, all one word, dot ca. Our study of the Bible is more than just to gain knowledge. It's so that it might impact our lives, how we think, how we act, and how we love. Our prayer is that the time we spend together around God's Word might truly be a blessing to you. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.